0: So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. Being produced here in our Common and See Studio here in Ada. and this the 18th of August. It's the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keely. Again, we want to especially welcome listeners who are housebound and listen to our program every week, the lonely and struggling in some way, and also our listeners who support us each week in prayer. Thank you so much, indeed, for for joining us again today a uh, program of course as usual uh, just to remind listeners is being broadcast on sacred space at west Limit 102 local radio and that's at 10am and 11pm each sunday and it's also available for playback and download on common see inspirations at actually if you just go to the to um google common inspirations you'll find us there and also on our blog uh, www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com So again, just to remind you again, my name is John Keeley, joined today by actually someone who was just on with me a a few weeks ago actually, Sabrina, all the way from Tralee. Good morning to you, how are you?
1: Good morning John, good morning again listeners, hope you're all well.
0: Thank you very much, Niven. Of course, she's in great form these days, Sabrina, because she was watching Kerry there last weekend. <laughs> congratulations <laughs> to all you people down in Kerry and commiserations to those who maybe lost out that particular day. But anyway, thank yeah. you indeed for, for joining me, Sabrina. Thank and you very much. It'll be a special program this morning. But just before I just mention that, I just want to give you some contact details. Our contact details, if you want to text us here in the program, it's 087 That's 087. 6088667 or you can email, email me on sacredspace102 at gmail.com Now uh, as I mentioned there last week, this is going to be a special program where we're going to rebroadcast um, a program that was first broadcast here in Sacred Space um, actually goes back to May May 2010 I recorded the, a, a program about all, all about Narc, its history and its messages with um, Michael Keaton from Rahina here locally uh, and actually Lorraine Buckley also joined me on the programme. Michael shared with us uh, all there is to know really know about Knock, and we were so so fortunate to have somebody like Michael so close at hand. So we've we decided to play that programme again today because, of course, this particular year is the 140th anniversary, 140 years ago where, of the apparition of Our Lady of NOC. Um I might just say a little bit more about that after Sabrina shares some science for the week with us just letting people know in regard to the programme for the Novena this year So now at this part of the programme I'm going to invite a good friend uh, Sabrina to share with us uh, the feast days that we're going to be celebrating this week Thanks Sabrina
1: Thank you John, okay so yeah we've got a few very exciting saints lined up here um, on the Monday on the 20th um, we have St. John Buddus, a Normandy priest, and his devotion is to encourage um, our devotion to the Sacred Heart and to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Um, so very, very nice, uh, you know, very nice thing there. And he also uh, founded um organized a, um, a group of nuns into the Sisters of Our Lady of Charity. And he also had priests as well who were um, leading the seminars. On the Tuesday, we have St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Lovely, lovely saint. And I would encourage listeners to, if they can, to um, maybe read some of the writings from St. Bernard. Um, He's got a number of... Sermons and, um, and lovely, lovely books on loving God and yeah, really nice. So he's uh, abbot and founded uh, Cistercian uh, monasteries, a number of them. Um, he also stood, uh, fought um, out very much against the persecution of Jews and also um, clergy who were living um, luxurious lifestyles um on the wednesday we have pope pius x and um as people might know that he changed the, the age of holy communion um because of a little girl in cork um ellie who um understood you know what the, the the sacrament of communion was and as a result he did he changed that now this pope was um elected pope against his own wishes And he um, he lived in poverty, even though he was a pope. And he often preached in the courtyards of the Vatican. Um, He reformed the revised the uh, Latin in the Bible and also canon law. Um, He fought out against church. He separated church and state very much because at the time the church or the state had a lot of influence politically and power and, you know, wanted to rule the church. Um, on the Thursday, we have Our Lady of Mother and Queen. Beautiful, beautiful day again. Um, you know of Our Lady, and just to for us to to really to talk to talk to her as our spiritual mother, and she's always there with us through the crossroads of our lives. On the Friday, we have Saint Rose of Lima. Um, A woman who really knew from an early age that, you know, that um, she wanted to serve God and she um, went, became a Dominican tertiary. She also, um, she cared for the sick and the poor in India and the slaves. Um, On the Saturday we have, uh, we have um, the apostle uh, Saint Bartholomew. And we know of Saint Bartholomew in the in the in the, in the stories how you know Philip um, brought Bartholomew to Jesus, so he was one of his apostles. And interestingly, he is patron of the sick. So that's that's the saints really this week, John.
0: Thank you very much indeed. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, the novena continues in Noxrime, uh rhyme from today until Thursday. So let's see today who do we have. Um, Actually, today they're going to celebrate all things family throughout the grounds of Shrine today, including drumming, kites, design, face painting, games and much more. So the day begins for these fun and games at 12 noon. At 3 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, the most reverend Kevin Doran, Bishop of Elfin, will speak on the theme, A Joy That Lies Ahead Of Us. Because Bishop Dodon has been Bishop of Elphin since 2014. At 8 o'clock, uh, in the 8 o'clock session uh, for the novena, um, the Most Reverend uh, John Armit- Ar- Armitage, and he- he's a rector of the Shrine of Our Lady of Walshingham in the UK, uh, he'll speak on Mary and the reality of family life. That's at 8pm. Um, on Monday, tomorrow... Carol Coleman, who is, of course, an experienced multimedia journalist. Carol is well known to Irish audiences as a former Washington correspondent and education and environment correspondent at RTE. She's currently a presenter and reporter on this week on RTE Radio 1. She'll speak at 3pm and 8pm at the Novena, and the theme she'll speak about is motherhood, media and me. should be interesting. Um, 12 noon seminar on Monday It's about the, from the Knock Youth Ministry The youth ministry team at Knock's Shrine Run a very a, a vibrant faith centre for school retreats And summer youth programmes Their aim is to give young people a positive experience of Knock And a powerful encounter with God They do this by celebrating the sacraments Spreading the Gospel message And give witnesses to the loving presence of Jesus in our world what a lovely, what a lovely little theme there to speak about. New shoots from the Knox Youth Ministry. And on Tuesday, the 20th, next Tuesday, um, the guest speaker is the Reverend Trevor Sargent. Uh, people might remember Trevor Sargent is a Church of Ireland minister and a former Irish Green Party politician who served as Minister for State for Food and Agriculture from 2007 to 2010. He was leader of the Green Party from 2001 to 2007. Trevor was ordained in 2018 as a Church of Ireland minister for the parishes of the Waterford Union. And Trevor Sargent will speak at 3pm, 8pm and the 12 noon seminar on the theme Faith in Action. On Wednesday, the actual anniversary of the apparition, a special day of celebration with the Most Reverend Michael Neary, Archbishop of Chum. And the theme is The Message of the Knock Apparition, Then and Now. So the Archbishop Michael Neary will speak at 3pm and 8pm. At 12 noon, there's a seminar on 19th century Mayo, Place, People and Knock Apparition. At 12 noon on Wednesday, the, 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 apparition, the, the anniversary of the apparition, there's the unveiling of the village. The Knock Village model will take place at 12 noon at the seminar. For the 140th anniversary of the Nock apparition, Nock Museum unveils a unique and historic model of Nock village as it was in 1879. The village recreation is, is filled with wonderful miniature details of the old church, the houses the witnesses lived in, schools, people, animals, roads, pathways and farmland. It offers a fascinating insight into the, into the village life in Knock, and into the historical and social context of the Knock apparition. Also, at the three p.m. mass, the the, the unveiling of the new processional statue of Our Lady of Knock, which was carved recently in Italy. And at seven p.m. that evening, there's a witnesses' walk, a meeting, heaven at harvest time. This is a celebration and a commemoration of the apparition of the apparition witnesses, taking place. At 7pm. Follow the footsteps of each of the apparition witnesses as they made their way to the gable of the parish church on the wet August evening in 1879. And on Thursday, the final day of the apparition, uh, the guest speaker is Father Peter McVerry. Father Peter McVerry, of course, is the founder of the Peter McVerry Trust, one of the country's largest organisations responding to the issue of homelessness. Father Peter will be speaking on the following, uh, on the theme, following the dream of Jesus. That he'll be speaking at 3pm, 8pm and 12 noon. So again, just to remind listeners, uh, each day there's Mass and there's talks at 3pm and 8pm. And also there's a seminar on it at 12pm. And again, if you can't get there yourself, I'll certainly try and make it. But if you can't get there yourself, you can tune in and watch it um, live uh, at the um, Nock uh, Shrine website. And there's a direct link to it. So now at this stage of the program, I'd invite listeners to to listen to, again to, to Michael Keating as he shares the story of Nock with us. Okay, Michael. So the purpose of our our uh, program this morning is to try to go to go through as best we can uh, the apparition at Knock. So maybe you can give us a bit of background, Michael, as to as to maybe Knock, maybe around the time of the apparition.
2: Yeah. Well, John, you see, Knock occurred in eighteen seventy nine. At that time, Ireland was still in the aftermath of the famine, you know, the Great Famine from forty five to fifty two. Yeah, and I suppose just to remind ourselves, like, it's still distressing to read about this, Jen. You know, one million people died in Ireland at that time. Well over another million, between a million and a million and a half, immigrated. And the population of the country dropped by almost 25%. And, you know, it's it's still frightening to read th- those facts, like, but they're facts. I don't think people would even comprehend that these yeah, days. Yeah. You know, one, million, right. one million died million dying, yeah.
0: and one and a half million immigrated. emigrated.
2: That's right. And, you know, I suppose the history books will tell us that the famine ended in 1852, but mm-hmm. still, up to, up to, including 1879, there were still sporadic failures of the potato Cup, which caused, you know, g- great problems for the people because they were dependent on the potato. Mm. And the other thing I suppose, John, at the time was that Ireland was still in the grip of landlordism. know, yeah. evictions were commonplace. The people had to pay rents to the landlord, they had no money, of course, because they had no income. Mm-hmm. And if you couldn't pay the rent your, the battering arm arrived and your family were out on the road. And you can just imagine, John, the cold, damp, wet climate we fear the hardship that caused the people at the times. Like, you know, living conditions were just unimaginable compared to today.
0: And that's women and children. It's not just men, oh, yes. it's women and children to as well.
2: Out on the road that nowhere to go in most places. And no way of
0: assistance, no no food.
2: No. They mm-hmm. got a little help here and there, but they were so weak. Mm. Very often what happened, John, maybe one person died in the house and the rest were too weak to even to take him to bury them and yeah. then disease spread within the family and it was it was a cool time in Ireland that's all I can say and I suppose the other bit of
0: context to that mm-hmm. too would be for for 300 years uh, mm-hmm. they weren't allowed even to practice their faith no. in Ireland up to about 1829 mm-hmm. I think it was when they had this famous uh, act of emancipation or whatever they call it where people were just allowed very grudgingly yeah. I think to practice their faith but it's
2: amazing John right throughout history was always in those conditions. It, 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 yes. It's hard to imagine it, but it did. But I think,
0: they, I think this is important to sort of mention mm-hmm. this in the context of what you're going to tell us That's about right. the actual apparition and mm-hmm. so on and so forth, that the people, even though they were starving of maybe material things, yeah. they still had the faith.
2: Well, we were going to look at a local mass rock, maybe up in Ashford, John, you know. That's right. said just people that went to mass there in the hills. And mm-hmm. there was a place on the, pre- the priest head, you know, those days, but... Yeah, you know, we'll just move on a small yeah, bit, maybe, okay, John, yeah. from that. Mm. The other thing we must look at in the background of Nock is the life of <sighs> the parish priest of Nock, Archdeacon Kavanagh. Mm. This man, you know, he's central to the whole story of Nock. And his family had been evicted from Carlow under Cromwell. And, you know, they were sent at the time to Hell or the Connacht. That's what we love in our history books. And Archdeacon Cavanagh was born in North Galway <clears throat> in 1821. And he was ordained in 1846, you know, just at the height of the famine, he was ordained. So he saw that the worst of the famine. You know, the Black Famine the year was 1847, and when he was appointed, first he was sent to Westport in Mayor. and you know, reading his story, John, he t- he says that very often before his breakfast in the morning, he anointed as many as forty people. Wow! That'll just give you some indication how many people were dying around him at the time. That was before he ate his breakfast in the morning. He had forty people anointed. And yeah, when he united people now, that was the last rites then. It wasn't the sacrament, you know, didn't even put the emphasis yes. in the sacrament of the sick. But it, you know that was literally the last rites for those people.
0: And this was everybody.
2: Yeah, it was incredible like how many people mm. were dying mm. around mm. this man. But you know, he was so concerned for the poor and for the you know, the starvation of the people that he even sold his horse. He'd now get known. he sold the horse to make he sold his watch even this man it. You know, he was an extraordinary man. But he was appointed Paris Priest of Knock in eighteen sixty seven. And, of course, Knock was probably heaven to him compared to what he left in Westport. Mm-hmm. But very quickly he became known for the extraordinary sanctity of his life and his devotion to the Ever-Immaculate Mother of God. That's the title he gave Our Lady, the Ever-Immaculate Mother of God. And, of course, his other great devotion was to the holy souls in purgatory. Yeah. And, uh, his concern for the souls that died you know, was so great that on the 14th of May, 1879, he started to say year 100 consecutive Masses for the Holy Souls in purgatory. I had that, yeah. Yeah, and he made this public that he was saying these 100 Masses. He, the people were so poor, John, he got no donation whatsoever for saying these Masses. This came from his own heart. And he finished one, the 100 Masses on the morning of the 21st of August, 1879, the day of the apparition in Nock. And, you know, I think everybody, John, you know, believes that this offering of one hundred masses was directly you know, related to the apparition later that evening. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I, and I mean that man was able to do this. Maybe um, I'd say really without any help from anybody else. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean the nearest priest would have been probably miles away at this particular stage. And then, of course, when the apparition happened, mm-hmm. this is the man on the ground. This That's is the archbishop, and it's very hard for maybe a priest to react. To something.
2: Well, if you ask any priest or bishop today, John, the last thing they want in their parish or their yes. diocese is an apparition, <laughs> because it just causes so much they trouble. Just, yes, but this man was ready for it. Do you know? You would believe, John, this man actually wore a hair shirt as penance, when life itself was actually penance, getting struggling through the days to get enough food was a penance. But he wore a hair shirt for extra penance.
0: Wasn't there some faith? And uh, yeah. I mean, it seems to be so incomprehensible compared to today. <laughs> Because I know later on we will speak about the apparitions and the way people used to travel. Mm-hmm. And now these days, like, yes. we, we even complain if we're in an air-conditioned bus for an hour oh, and a half to get there. That's but that's sorry, anyway, we're in. Yeah.
2: Just S- one other little thing, John. When Knock Church was completed in 1828, there was a very prophetic inscription on the west wall of the church. And it was from Matthew 11. My house shall be a house of prayer to all the nations. And how prophetic that was! Could so anyone have believed that's from Matthew? Sorry, Matthew eleven. Okay. Could anyone have believed at that time, John, that foreign nations would be flying into the air, uh, into the airport in Knock, to worship God above in Knock?
0: Yes, very prophetic, wasn't it?
2: Fairly prophetic.
0: It okay, so then we come to the apparition. So then we come to the apparition. Yeah. yeah. The twenty-first of August.
2: Twenty-first <laughs> of August, eighteen, 18 seventy-nine. It wasn't a sunny day, I believe. No, it was pouring rain. Mm. And the witnesses tell us that the wind was from the south and it was blowing the rain against the southern, you know, the southern gable against of the church. Against the gable, yes. Against the gable of the church. And <coughs> Mary McLachlan, she was the priest's housekeeper and Mary Bodden, you know, they came to lock up the church roughly around 7.30 in the evening. Okay. And this is what they tell us, they saw, and I'll just quote you on know, of mm, official mm, account of the apparition. Mm. You know, They said, Our Lady, St. Joseph, St. John the Evangelist, appeared at the south gable of the church mary wore a large white cloak fastened at the neck her hands and eyes were raised towards heaven in posture of prayer on her head was a brilliant crown and where the crown is fitted to the brow was a gold rose on her right was saint joseph head bowed and turned slightly towards her as if paying his respects he wore white robes on mary's left was Saint john the evangelist dressed as the bishop with a book in his hand and his right hand raised as if preaching. Beside the figures, and a little to the right of centre of the gable, was a large plain altar. On the altar stood a lamb, facing the west. And behind the lamb, a large cross stood upright. Angels hovered round the lamb during the apparition. This is the account of the us what happened. Now, when they came towards the gable, John, the first thing to the north was this brilliant light. Mm. And then... Yes, so of course, I suppose this great devotion to Our Lady in Ireland has been right through the centuries. Mm. The first thing to arrive was Our Lady. Yes. But real significance, John, is the Lamb on the altar. Mm. It's um, you know, it's hard to believe, it, John. It's the only place in the world that the Lamb of God has ever appeared. That's applied. right. But just maybe a little bit still about the apparition before we well, go into the, the, yes, the meaning yes, yeah. of it. Well, <laughs> we might
0: do that for the second part. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The, um, there was fifteen witnesses in total.
0: That's right. There was fourteen, and then there was a farmer in the field, wasn't yeah. there? Some, some and yeah.
2: even at a distance, other people saw the light and the yes. church, and they were wondering yeah. what the light was. But the youngest was John Curry, He was only five. He was only a little boy, mm. and the eldest was um, Bridget Trench. She was seventy-four. Seventy-four. Yeah. So there was every age in between represented. A good few people in their twenties, thirties, fifties, sixties. You know, so fifteen witnesses, and the apparition lasted about two hours in pouring rain, and. Another extraordinary thing was that even though it was raining heavily, the ground around the apparition was totally dry. That's right, And the wind was blowing the rain in that direction, so So the ground
0: was... it should have been completely... It should have been soaking, yeah, it
2: should have been soaking. Now, (coughs) Bridget Trench, she went up to the vision. This is the 74-year-old. 74-year-old, yeah. And... um, she went down on her knees to kiss Our Lady's feet, which right. she admitted there was nothing there. There was nothing there. No, there was nothing but, there. But,
0: but her faith drew her there. It did, yeah, it did. But when she returned back, I believe, she returned back to say the Rosary. Oh,
2: yes. And
0: she felt great comfort in saying the Rosary.
2: Yeah. The, the visionaries kept the Rosary going the whole time during the apparition, because that was their prayer, like, you know, the, yeah. the Rosary was their prayer. And I suppose one other thing, um, there was no words spoken in the vision at Knock. Mm-hmm. You know, we went to Fatima with a big, long list of we messages. Did. We couldn't yes. even get him into the program. That's you know, right. Lurals with right, yes. messages, Medjugorje with messages. But God spoke in the silence of Nock. And we have to look into the vision and study it to see, you know, where is the message in Nak. And just one other little thing. Nobody saw the apparition arriving in Nak, uh-huh. and nobody saw it leaving. Okay. And the reason nobody saw it leaving was that there was an elderly woman across the road from the church and she was bedridden. But when she had the, the apparition, <clears throat> she dragged herself as far as the door. She collapsed at the door and the all ran across the to help her. When they arrived back, the vision had disappeared. had
0: disappeared. Yeah. So I think what we we'll do, we just might take a break here. Uh, and maybe come back in the second part, which might be the, opportun- the opportunity then, maybe to come into a bit more detail with- in the lamb and so on and so forth with the lamb. But there was one piece of music you brought with us, uh, brought with you yourself today, Michael, and it's from, it's by Dana, mm-hmm. uh, from her album, A uh, Lady of Not Collection. It's, a- it's entitled St. Joseph's Song.
2: So yeah. we might just... I, will, I, I love this, Jen, because, you know, we don't hear too much about St. Joseph. And still, he's a very central figure in our whole salvation yeah. history, St. Joseph is. But he's the quiet one that we don't hear much about. And he doesn't say much either. So I think it's lovely to honor him with this song.
0: Thank you very much, Nate, for bringing that through. And so now we will go with this one by Dana. It's entitled St. Joseph's Song.
3: A child to be a man A man whose life, my friend
0: Welcome back to the second part of Sacred Space here in West Limit 102. My name is John Keeley, and I'm joined today by Michael Keating, and we're going through, or should I say, Michael is going through, uh, the apparition of Knockfleur. So, Michael, just in the first section there, we got as far as going through the, uh, you know, the apparition itself and uh, the the witnesses, the fifteen uh, the fifteen witnesses. Uh, so, there's certain aspects about the apparition that you'd like to speak about, Mike. Maybe the first one is the lamb, I believe.
2: Yeah I suppose as you look at the vision in Mark, John the center of the vision is actually the altar with the lamb on the altar. Yeah. And of course this is very scriptural John you know this is mm-hmm. you know the lamb we've heard about it since the old testament you know the passover lamb mm-hmm. and you know and John has the the book of the gospels open so if you look mm-hmm. at the book of the gospels in John chapter 1 verse 29 first thing we hear is there is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Okay. So that comes straight out of scripture this image of the mm-hmm. lamb. Mm-hmm. And you know, that statement was so important, John, that it's repeated at every mass that was ever said since. That's right. And I know I Mm. read about a Protestant there last year, Professor Scott Hander went to Mass, and when that was said at Mass, that prayer was said at Mass, it just blew him away, he said. He He converted straight after because he knew to straight out of the Mm -hmm. the scripture. And of course, John also wrote the book of the apocalypse. And Knock is apocalyptic. It's straight out of the book of the apocalypse. The, The visionaries wouldn't have known what they were describing. No, they wouldn't have done. um, 28 times in 22 chapters in the book of the Apocalypse, John mentions the Lamb. So it's right from start to finish, he talks about the one sitting on the throne and the Lamb. He doesn't call him Jesus in the book of the Apocalypse. The Lamb. So it's it's the Lamb, the whole thing. And... You know, Book of the chapter 19, verse 9, it said, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And this is the actual vision that the visionary saw in Oc, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. And of course, it reminds us of the Mass also, John. The yes. Lamb of God on the altar is, you know, intrinsic with the Mass. We can't get away from the, right. the Mass. And this brings us back to the hundred Masses that Archdeacon Cavanagh offered. And, you know, I suppose only God the Lord knows how many souls that man sent to heaven with his well, 100 because of him, yes. and that's the vision that those souls saw in heaven. So we actually had a piece of heaven on earth in our, during the apparition.
0: That's a beautiful expression there, Michael, I like that's that. That's the best way you can put mm-hmm. it, John, I suppose. Nice. Very nice.
2: Um, and of course you had to bear a cross behind the altar then, which that's is the right. victorious cross of the Lamb. And I think I said before, it's the only place in the world that the Lamb of God ever appeared.
0: That's right, that's right. And then, after, alongside the Lamb, of course, then, then you had St. John. Yeah. And he holding.
2: Yeah, John was holding the book of the Gospels. Mm. Now, we don't know what page was open. It would be lovely to know what page was <laughs> open. Sure but would, yeah. I think two divisionists tried to climb up on something. They could see you what know, page was open, but they right? couldn't yeah. see if the yeah. page was open. But we know enough, John, that he wrote to you. The Fourth Gospel, I, he did, and the Book of the Apocalypse. And the book of the Apocalypse so yeah. we have enough from that. If we yes. study those, we'll be doing fairly well yeah, Sure, we're And the you right? know, in all his writings, Jesus for John is the Lamb of God. He keeps referring to the Lamb of God. This very important title mm-hmm. he gives Jesus. Mm-hmm. And as well you know, it brings us back to the Mass engine. Mm-hmm. The Book of the Gospels been opened, That's Gospel right. read, and the Word of God being proclaimed to us. And he's preaching as a bishop. He's his two fingers up in the air. And he has the bishop's mitre on, but he's a mitre of the Eastern Church—a small, yeah, a smaller small one, yes. Mitre yes, yes, has, yeah. yes. So I suppose a little lesson here for us, John, you know, to get into the Scripture, to listen to the Word of God.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's so that's John. So, mm-hmm. and I'm sure this is all all sort of going to tie in in the end. Mm-hmm. And then Our Lady, of course. I mean, Our Lady was yeah.
2: during the apparition, John. Our Lady's eyes are raised towards heaven. Now yeah. her two hands are up to her shoulders, and she seems to be praying as a priest would pray during the Eucharistic yes. prayer at Mass. Yes. You know way the priest yes. raises his hands during Mass, John? Yes. So that's the way Our Lady is praying. And when I you know, got into this, John, and was thinking about this, you know, I said, what is Our Lady doing? Interceding? She's praying.
0: Yes.
2: And I said, who is she praying for? Uh, who is she praying to? Yeah. She's praying to the uh, victorious Lamb, yes. the Lamb of God, her yes. son, Jesus Christ, yes. beside her. And who is she praying for? She's praying for all her children, John. Yes. We are included. I'm sure the people at the time, you know, they were suffering so much. Our Lady was interceding for those people. Mm. And Our Lady always intercedes for us.
0: And of course, these people themselves would have obviously recognised that because they had Mm. the faith, they would have known that Our Lady was praying.
2: And she's wrapped in total contemplation of the Lamb of God. You know, she's she's turns slightly towards the Lamb, Mm -hmm. but her eyes are raised towards heaven. Mm. And... uh, She's praying for them. And of course, she's inviting us to do the same, John. Yes, yeah. To contemplate the Lamb of God and to pray to
0: Jesus. And all the time, all the people who were there are saying the rosary. Oh, yes, they were saying the the rosary rosary all
2: the time, yeah. And you see, she always comes in time of trouble as well, John. You know, Fatima during the First World War. Major right. during Mm -hmm. the war in Bosnia. So Mm -hmm. Our Lady is always there for us. And of course, she also appeared with a crown on her head. She was crowned queen of heaven. And of course that's straight out the Book of the Apocalypse again. It tells us about the woman clothed with the sun standing on the moon and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And mm-hmm. of course in that too she as you know she also represents the church. So uh, that's basically it about and we, we can't stay. We can't reason,
0: stay though. because, unfortunately, Michael, I, I should have recognised you one and I should have even asked one or two to give us the extra hour. Now, and Michael's coming in, but anyway, we we'll, we'll, we'll go on. Saint Joseph was there.
2: Yeah, I think it's lovely to see. Saint I think Joseph it's lovely there, to see yeah. Saint Joseph there. I mean, we sometimes I, forget about Saint Joseph, you know. And Saint Joseph, you know, we don't have recorded what. Well, maybe he had the the angel appear to him in the gospel. We don't have much about Saint Joseph in the gospel. But he was wearing a, a white robes. And he appeared with his hands joined in prayer. Now, his hands were different to Our Lady. His hands were joined as we would join them in prayer, John. And he was bent slightly towards Our Lady as if he was paying her respect.
0: Respect, yes.
2: That's what he was doing. So uh, he's inviting us to venerate Our Lady, the Mother of the Church, Queen of Heaven, as he was doing in that apparition. So he wants us to venerate Mary, the Mother of God.
0: And, of course, he lived as the husband of Our Lady for right. uh, for, for years and the foster father, father of Jesus
2: right. yes. and of course your people always pray to St Joseph for a happy death as well
0: that's right and he's also the patron of the church I think he that's is one, yeah, the it? patron of the church yeah. that's right, and uh, and really uh, that's about the only time that St Joseph um, appeared in an apparition well, I, don't don't we, if, we, don't I don't know maybe there is
2: another one John I don't know of any other place he appeared yeah so, so knock, knock is unique, John. In our this Lady, world, in the uh, whole world, b- b- is Because when <laughs> she came, you know,
0: mm-hmm. you know, she came with Joseph, she came with John, and she came with the Lamb.
2: Well, you see, when she appeared, for says, John, she came alone. When she came to Ireland, came to Knock, she brought the whole family <laughs> the with whole, her. The whole family with her. She brought the husband, the son, and the beloved disciple with her. Fantastic. And then, of course, um, this this brilliant. I mean, this was all surrounded by brilliant light. Yeah. It was, John. And I'm sure, you know, it was 21st of August, a wet, damp Irish evening. The light must have been failing about nine o'clock at that stage. But as the book of Revelation again tells us, John, there is no need for lamplight or sunlight because the Lord God will be shining on them. This was a heavenly light, mm. the light that was coming from the Lord himself. That's powerful. Right. And, uh, and, and then wasn't there angels there as well, Michael? Was the angels were circling around <clears throat> the altar. And of course, this brings us into the whole concept of angels. There's so much to be studied in Nock, John. It's mind-boggling. Mm. And, I, and I found the more I read about Nock, the more I needed to read about it. <laughs> yes. You know, it keep going on and on and on. And of course, the angels are mentioned in the in the scriptures as well. You know, the presence of angels. And <clears throat> you know, the Book of the Apocalypse. They're singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, God of hosts. This is what we have at Mass, John. You know, when we sing Hosanna in the highest. Mm. Again, the connection with the Mass, connection mm. with heaven. They're mm. singing that in heaven. We're also singing it every mass we go at the gym.
0: So, when this happened, uh, and these visionaries, uh, these people, and they're witnessing this, mm. at some stage now, they would have probably gone to tell the Archdeacon. Yeah.
2: Well, Knock was blessed, of course, with this hmm. parish priest. This man was extraordinary, this parish priest. He was extraordinary. He believed in the apparitions from the word go. Now, In most operations, John, the priest is the last person to believe because he has to test it. As you mentioned, yes, The bishop has to test it. Mm. But this man, it seems he was having heavenly visions himself, John. There's some wonderful stories told about him. You know, in his own little cottage he was having heavenly visions. So he wasn't a bit surprised with this. So he recorded everything from day one. And this was invaluable to the bishop after when he set up a commission of inquiry. And within... The first year, John, this man had fully recorded all the details of 300 cures within the first year at Knock. What happened was, a woman from Clare Morris and Mrs. Gordon, she brought her daughter, Delia Gordon, to Knock. She was 12 years of age and she was suffering terribly with her ears. Hmm. She brought her to Mass. So during the Mass, the pain was so violent, the child started to cry, she couldn't hold, she was in a terrible state. So she had to take her out of Mass. And she came around the back of the church where the apparition was. And just, I suppose she was inspired by God. She picked a little plaster off the wall, mm-hmm. she put it in the child's ear, and the child was perfect. Wow. So, do you think there was cows coming to knock before that, John? Mm. This started the stampede knock. And this was
0: when, though, Mike? Was this soon? This was
2: 10 days after the apparition. 10 John. days after it. After the apparition, it was. So, this was, you know, so everything happened to knock very fast. No, compared to other apparitions.
0: Yeah, because uh, even the, even this uh, this commission
2: was set up... What was it, within six yeah, weeks, was yeah. it? But if I could say one other thing yeah, about sorry, uh, the, the plaster from the wall. Yeah. yeah. You know, these are Archdeacon's Deacon's cavernous words. He said, when the cement that is near at hand has been entirely picked away, the mortar is rooted out from between the stones, and then the stones themselves are detached. And in a few days, a large hole appears in the wall. <sighs> a second hole soon appears. <laughs> so this poor man... He, had the time left? <laughs> <laughs> he was looking at the church left because uh. the people were picking away the plaster. And they took so much plaster, the wall was literally in danger of collapsing. So he had to put little sheets of timber up along the wall. Yeah. So the people then, what they did was they hung their crutches and their sticks off of the doors when they were cured. And yes, the witnesses yes. recorded as many as six people simultaneously being cured in Knock. You know, the amount of cures were unbelievable, John and Nock. And I mean,
0: you know, if you can just imagine I was just trying to imagine myself that if I was anywhere near that scene or, or at that scene that particular evening. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's hard maybe for the human being to be able to, to stay and witness that. Mm-hmm. You know, you you need an awful lot of faith mm-hmm. with you and encouragement from Our Lady maybe and nice from age, yeah. from Saint Joseph. Yeah. And then uh, I, I was just reading the the first pilgrimage.
2: Well, believe it or not, John, yeah. the first pilgrimage was from Limerick That's in right.
0: 1880.
2: 1880, The so Redemptus yeah. Fraternity, wasn't
0: it? That's right, the, yes, from yeah. the Redemptus Church in, in the 24th of March, 1980. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Archb- uh Kavanagh gave his sermon mm-hmm. there, you know, which, again, he mentioned, just as you said, he said... That our lady had not come alone. She brought with her her husband, her beloved spouse, and St. John, the beloved apostle, who rested on the bosom of the Lord at the last Supper. Just as you were saying there, you know, that, that connection there. Right. Uh, and and the cures of knock. I, I was just reading something else there, Mike, if I just got in for a second there, just on this book that somebody gave me. Um, it's the Venerable Archdeacon Cavanagh. But he just mentioned there about, if you don't mind me just sort of recording this for a second, we are also indebted to the late Miss M Hartigan of Limerick County on a way, uh, for her, her very vivid accounts of the pilgrims who in the old days on the way from the south of Ireland called frequently at her country home for a night's rest. The memory of one such pilgrim remained clearly in my mind. It was the case of an elderly man who had a large, very unsightly growth on his neck, extending to his chest. With the man was a young lad who assisted him on the way as he was very weak due to, to the ailment. She and other members of the family saw him setting out for Knock, leaning heavily on his stick and a pair of rosary beads on the other hand. Some weeks later, the same pilgrim, on his return from Nock, called at the house again and spent the night there. She remembered the excitement of the household when she saw that unsightly swelling had completely disappeared. He was cured while making a station at Knock. And I, nice. I, I I praise the Lord. I, I I I was just looking at some of these things today and I thought it would, do we really accept or believe ourselves that mm. miracles happen in Knock mm. I mean, I'm living in Ireland, you're living in mm. Ireland. How often do we ever mention about it? It's
2: they mi- still happen in Noc, They still happen And later Noc. on maybe we we'll might if we get time we'll talk about Marion Cattle, who was healed recently at Knock
0: yeah. Well you can tell us about that one yeah. now if you like, yeah. No. As we're on the queues. Okay.
2: Marion Carroll is from Athlone, and this is a very recent event at Nocturne, you know, recent, you know, because Nocturne happened in 1879, but she was diagnosed with MS in 1978 after several years, John Avila. she had been very sick for a long, long time. She'd lost the use of her legs, she became incontinent, she had no bowel control, the muscles in her throat were affected by the disease, she could barely talk, her food had to be liquefied. And kid, she was actually like with kidney infections, was almost blind. So this woman was pretty ill. She was bedridden, she'd be washed, fed, moved, changed, everything had to be done for her. So she went on a pilgrimage to knock on September the 3rd, 1989. That's just 21 years That's ago. Yeah. Yeah. And when she received communion, she looked at the statue of Our Lady and she says, You're a mother too. She says, You know, you know my problems, you can mm-hmm. cure me. Mm-hmm. And straight away she got this beautiful feeling. She said it's like a whispering breeze. And she felt that if the stretcher was open that she could walk. So she didn't like to say anything inside in the basilica, causing it a bit of a fuss. Yes, she okay. waited until she got back to St. John's rescue centre. You know the, mm-hmm, the rescue centre right, there? Yeah. And she asked him to open the straps and the stretcher. So she walked hopped out the stretcher, walked perfectly, Jen. And her husband was at home, you know, busy as could be, waiting for the ambulance to come back with her. Mm. And you could imagine when she walked out of the ambulance, John, the poor man nearly collapsed. <laughs> and she's going around Ireland at the moment giving talks and healing sessions and all this. And this has been all verified medically, John, you know, by medical commissions and all this.
0: Thanks a bit of God. As, mm-hmm. as, Bre- as Sister Breeze McKenna says, medicals do happen. Mm-hmm, happened, I right. think it may be, Michael, it's, it's an opportune time to give you a break. And for us, we have to take a bit of music and just reflect on some of the things you said. We'll come back again and speak a little bit more. And now, I know we've got Monsignor Horn and a few more people to speak about. But at this stage, we'll take a piece of music from James Coburn. It's from his album Heart to Heart, and I think very probably it's uh, entitled "As a Nail Before You." Mm-hmm.
4: I kneel before you as I bow
0: to the third and final part of Sacred Space here in West Limit 102. My name is John Keely and I'm joined today by Michael Keating. And Michael, you've really given us a, a beautiful reflection on Shrine and the apparitions and and the surrounding events and thank you very much indeed. Um, just a few little points there, Michael, in this last section. The Commission of Inquiry, briefly on yeah. that.
2: You know, John, when an apparition happens today, sometimes it can take 20, 30 years for an inquiry to be set up. <laughs> but in Knock. As I said before, things work very fast. Mm. Six weeks after the apparition, Archbishop Michael of Chum set up a commission of inquiry. It was only in six weeks, and mm. he said, "Is the commission's reported as the testimony, Uh, taken as a whole was trustworthy and satisfactory when he interviewed the witnesses.
0: And then I think there was also a witness interviewed in New York. Yeah, in 1936 there was
2: a second commission set up. At that stage there was only three divisionaries alive in 1936. So one of them was interviewed in New York. Yes. But Mary Borden, she was on her deathbed and she was interviewed, so she said, I'm quite clear about everything I have said, and I make the statement knowing I'm going before my God, she said. She died six weeks later. So
0: she, she reiterated. She reiterated, again in said, 1936,
2: I, what she had said in 1879. Right.
0: And so moving on then from Nock, I mean, obviously the pilgrimage started to happen and so on and so forth, and and then, I know we, we have so little time, we will have to jump right the way forward now to to that big guy, Monsignor Well, I suppose, if, if
2: Nock started with an extraordinary parish priest, John a second, yes. you know, extraordinary parish priest, you know, came to knock. And that was Monsignor Horden. You know, he was the end of 1936. He came as a cure to knock in 1963. And in 1967, he was made parish priest. And I think one of his comments sums it all up, John. He said on the television one night, I'm an old man in a hurry, he said. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> this man, nothing was impossible to him. He just built... And he didn't worry about payment. The money came in, you know, everything. He stopped. Yes. He bought land. There's a wonderful story John talked about. He tried buying a pub that was in the middle of the grounds that the publican wouldn't sell it. Yeah. So one night about three o'clock in the morning, he eventually agreed to sell it. He got the solicitor and the secretary out of bed and he had the contact sign before eight o'clock in the morning <laughs> because your man was change his mind in the yes, morning. Because yes, yes. he was responsible for building the Basilica now, you know, which was yeah, you know, incredible, and to build a massive basilica in Knock. Beautiful. And he was involved in the Pope's trip in Knock in 1979, he was the organiser of all that in Knock, in you know, 1979. And of course then and he was course, very much
0: involved then with the airport.
2: This, yeah, this was his greatest <laughs> achievement. There was
0: a certain Taoiseach around at that particular time. Who, it
2: seems there was a funeral, John, in Knock, uh, and Charlie Hawley and a couple of the ministers were at it, and the Monsignor invited them to dinner. Yeah. So when he had Charlie at dinner, he said, by the way, Charlie said, there's one thing we need in Knock, he said. And Charlie said, oh, no problem, what is it? He no said, problem, no problem. He said, we need an airport, he said. So Charlie said, no problem. But Charlie thought he meant a small regional airport. <laughs> <laughs> so the foreign day once in the and went to the press and he announced there was an airport granted for Knock. <laughs> an international airport. I don't know Charlie was in trouble. I said, so I think we were all old enough to remember the six o'clock news uh, yeah. and he had the runway built and they asked him what he was doing. He said, I'm building an airport. And he said, everybody know he said, but I'm <laughs> only about money. I've already, got the, I've already got the runway going. And of course, he I, was in the first flight out of Knock. And unfortunately, his coffin was the first to come back. To in again. 1963, No, he, he No, he, was, he came to Knock in 1963. But the third of... Um, so in 1986, the 1st of August, he, he died on, suddenly his, in the pilgrimage to Lewis. He had his work done because he said he was in a hurry. But he was so, made,
0: <laughs> yes, he was so meant to make money. And you know, I mean, I can remember going down that runway. Mm-hmm. They used to charge us two quid to N- have a run in the runway. But anyway, besides that, and then, of course, the Pope's visit to Knock. Yeah,
2: 1979. 1979. That was the highlight of Knock. That was the centenary of Knock. And of course, the Pope presented Knock with the golden rose and the real seal of approval from the Vatican, you know, that Knock was authentic. And, he said it was the goal of his pilgrimage style, just to come to Knock, he said. Mm.
0: And of course, um, you're very much involved with with, with a pilgrimage that's uh, about to take place from West Limerick here to go to Knock.
2: Yeah, Our ladies' pastoral area John. Okay. Uh, we have s- seven parishes in the pastoral Okay. Newcastle West, Mahuna, Tram um, Colabroad, for Kilmidi, Kilidi, Moragia, Alta Corry, Kelly. So, we have a pilgrimage going on the 13th of June. 13th of June, okay. Yeah, and if anybody th- wants to go on that pilgrimage, contact, you know, the local parish priest or their pastoral representative on the group.
0: And now that you've really got them, got the, or whetted their appetite, mm-hmm. no doubt the people will be really doing a little bit of research now, maybe before, and maybe yeah. those who even can't go to Knock. Mm-hmm. On this particular trip, I mean, later on during the summer, they might be able to pay, to pay a little bit of a, a trip up there. And maybe appreciate Noc, that A little bit yeah. better now, Mike, from what you've told us. Yeah,
2: see, the one thing, John, about any apparition, you know, we can go to Fatima and we can see the scenery. But if uh, we can go to Knock to look at the grounds and the basilica and we can come over and say it was be beautiful. But mm. we must put some little effort into studying what actually happened there. And it would mean so much more. When we study about the Lamb of God and then you see the apparition site above the Lamb and the altar, Mm -mm. it would mean an awful lot more.
0: And of course, then, because we know that Our Lady is praying for us and there to help us, I mean, we could, and should, be asking Our Lady to help us to understand the message. Of
2: course, yeah. And And, and also to bring our intentions, you know, with us, to knock. We all have plenty of intentions to pray for. And I think one of the greatest intentions at this stage, John, is for our country and our government and the way it's going, everything that's needed, and our priests, of course, and our church. Very
0: much so. And I think, didn't Our Lady do that in 1879 when they were in dire straits? Yeah, and we're, we're in very similar sort of, well, not, mm-hmm. not not similar, but we certainly need a little bit of help at this stage. I know we have to leave it slightly now at the moment, Mike, because uh, the time's got up with us. That was a brilliant hour you gave us there. Thank you very much indeed. But before we go from the programme, I'll let you in for one last word in a second. Michael, just before we go I and mean, we play out with a piece of music, would you like to s- just give us one little...
2: Well, I suppose, John, what comes to my mind is that you know, sometimes when we think of apparitions, we think of them happening out front, maybe you know, Fatima, Lourdes, or Gory And... we have one of the most unique apparitions in the whole world John right on our doorstep Mm -hmm. right in Knox so maybe just encourage people to read about Knox study a little bit about it and to make a visit there during the summer if at all possible
0: a beautiful way to finish off Mm -hmm. Michael thank you very much indeed for your effort today and also your effort previously with Our Lady of Fatima thank you
2: thank you John it It was a pleasure
0: it was so so prayerfully told to us We'd like to leave you with this piece of music uh, maybe as a last, little, uh, I, uh, a last little chance just to reflect on what Michael's just said. It's a song that we all know. It's A Lady of Knock. It's sung by Dana from our, her album Lady of Knock Collection. So until next week, God bless now. Bye-bye. <laughs>
3: There were people of all ages, gathered round the gable wall, poor and humble men and women, little children that you call. We are gathered here before you, and our hearts are just the same. Filled with joy at such a vision as we praise your name, golden Time.